how Truebuild launched using ProductHunt.com and how they're growing with content marketing for episode 74. Let's do it. Welcome to the Rebel Growth Podcast. I am Borja Beso, and every week I bring you step-by-step growth and online marketing strategies that you can actually implement in your business to see some results. It's my pleasure to have you here, and let's start with another episode now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. Thank you so much for being here. Today's featured guest is Jaya Matarsada, and he's a founder of Truebill.com. You're going to learn how Jaya founded Truebill just nine months ago, and he launched on Product Hunt and got to over 3,000 subscribers quickly. You're also going to learn how Jaya has started building his software as a company, software service company, and is now monetizing it without charging his users. So listen closely because you're also going to learn how Jaya plans to keep on growing the company, keep on growing that user database by utilizing content marketing and what specific strategies he's using to do so. So without any further ado, let's jump right into the interview with Yaya. So Yaya, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So you're the founder of Truebill.com. Uh, I just signed up for the for the company. I think it's pretty amazing what it does. Why, why don't you tell me about a, a little bit about what it is, because I want to hear it for you from you, and then tell me how you came up with the idea. Absolutely. So Truebill is the easiest way to keep track of and manage all your paid subscriptions and recurring bills. Essentially, more and more of the money we spend is migrating from one-time purchases to a subscription model. And as the number of subscriptions each, each of us has continues to increase, it just becomes impossible to keep track of all of them. So as a way to avoid kind of paying for subscriptions that you either don't know about or maybe you forgot about or you just don't want anymore, Truebill brings them all into one place and lets you cancel any you don't want with just a couple clicks, set alerts, monitors, or take other actions. The idea came to me actually, uh, I kind of got bit by a subscription. I was looking at my credit card statement one day and I saw I paid $40 for in-flight Wi-Fi. And I thought, you know, that's a bit odd. I hadn't taken a flight in the last month. So I dug into it and I realized I was paying $40 a month for 14 months before I caught on. And uh, obviously I was pretty, pretty outraged by that. So I started poking around online to see if there was a tool to just list out all your subscriptions. And I logged into my credit card, I tried Mint, and no one had built this. So uh, I sat down with my brother and we said, you know what, let's just solve this problem. Um, when was this, last year? We started working in uh, uh, September 2015, so about nine months ago. Well, so that's pretty recent. That's awesome. Um, and you know why I think it's a great idea? Because I have the same problem. Um, I, I'm often driving on my car and or, you know, just taking a shower or whatever on a peace, you know, peaceful time. And on the back of my head, there's always, I mean, what's, do I, am I subscribed to something right now that I should be worried about? Because I've had this in the future, like get a bill for something I didn't remember I signed up or I, right. I didn't or you did need. a free trial. Oh yeah, you did a free tra- trial and then it starts automatically you know, charging you and whatnot. Uh, I know a lot of companies like have um, the small letters of a contract that it's going to be automatically renewed unless you cancel it. 
but exactly. a lot of times you, you just forget or you let's be honest no one reads those small lines anyway um in fact i i was just reading a case study from a big company that makes a lot of money and uh, that had, that had very popular advertisements or com- tv commercial commercials on latin america um and i was reading this case study on how a a woman a lady uh subscribed to their to their services which is pretty pretty expensive it's um an english teaching company mm-hmm. and and it's they, they ended up charging her like five thousand dollars extra of what she thought she would expend you know end up spending on the company which i think is outrageous and uh and it's just something that a lot of people don't keep track track of, you know. Exactly. So, so I mean, they they add up, and uh, it's really easy to lose track of. And you know, people say, "Oh, well, why don't you just check your credit card bill with a highlighter?" And you can do that. Uh, so it's not like there's no way to keep track of them, but we definitely wanted to to make it super simple. Yeah, definitely. Um, so props to you for for creating that. So, how long did it take you to build the pl- platform, and when did you launch? So we started building in September. Uh, in October, we sent it out to friends and family. And at that point, it was really just a lightweight algorithm that could uh, recognize your subscriptions. So we kind of kept it in friends and family beta from October until the end of, July, end of January, which is when uh, we thought things were tuned enough and ready for public. And who built it? Do you have like a team of programmers, or are you? Uh, at that point, well, we do ha- we do now, but at that point, it was uh, two of my brothers were the engineers behind it. Oh, that's fa- I mean, that's <laughs> a pr- pretty good advantage you have right there, you know. Definitely, definitely. Um, so you launch officially. You open up your doors on December. Is that what I tell Uh January twenty ninth. January. Um, where did you first start getting traction from? We went out with a launch on Product Hunt, and that was honestly the best launch we could have hoped for. Uh, we signed up several thousand users over the course of one day. Before that, we had about 400, so to go from 400 to three or 4,000 was awesome. Um, and because we were really successful with our initial Product Hunt launch, there was a, a number of, of kind of traffic spikes that came in the following week. So the next day, we made it to the top of their summary email. Um, the next week we were in the what's hot from last week email. And also because we cracked a thousand upvotes, we got into the one K club, which gets another email for itself. So, um, the product on traffic sort of really kept flowing in for a full week following when our initial push. So you got a sort of snowball, snowball effect from product, product on itself. Definitely. Uh, fascinating. I, I mean, I always knew, and I've heard a lot of good, you know, good stories from companies growing from product hunt before but i never i never knew you could actually hit like over a thousand two thousand three thousand subscribers um so that tells a lot about how how many actual people are using the company definitely Um, you know the the platform product hunt okay so you started getting traction were there were there any specific things that you did to you know to promote your product product hunt listing (laughs) Yeah, well, the first thing is um, it's really all about who you get to post for you. Right. And so we got Heaton Shaw to post it. Oh. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably 95% of our success. Okay. I mean, obviously, it helps that people seem to – our product really resonated with people, and they liked the, uh, the design and interface of it as well. Um, good? Yeah, and I was just going to tell the audience that Heaton Shaw, for those that don't know who, sh- who he is, he's the founder of uh, – co-founder of Kissmetrics. 
that com. Um, I don't know if he's. I think he's not involved in it directly anymore. But he's uh and some other uh, successful startups. So that's why why I know who he is and why it's such a big deal that Jaya is talking about it. So Jaya, go on. Um, so he posted it at uh, 7 a.m. Pacific time. Okay. Which I assume he knows what he's doing, and he says that's the uh, that's the best time to post it. From there, we at the moment it was live, we emailed our whole list, which was again less than 500 people, but it's something. Uh, and then you know I just got on uh, Facebook Messenger and literally just started asking everyone to check it out on Product Hunt. There are rules on Product Hunt; you're not allowed to tell people to upvote you specifically. But you can say, hey, we're on Product Hunt, would love for you to check it out. And obviously, if people like the product or like you, there's a good chance they'll upvote it. Right. So I would say that having a network on Product Hunt users, people that, who actually become your friends or people who are already your friends that are on Product Hunt, I mean, it's, it would be beneficial for you to keep, keep track of those relationships if you want to you know, start pushing on, on product hunt or whatnot. Exactly. So well, I tapped, I tapped a number of networks. For instance, um, we were in Y Combinator, so I sent out to the Y Combinator mailing list, uh, hey, check out, you know, we're on product hunt. I mentored 500 startups. I pushed to the 500 startups board that we were on there. Um, I'm in a, a couple Facebook groups, so I, I posted to all those as well. So, because really, it's, it's very dependent on getting velocity. You want to, you wanna, as soon as you turn on, you want to jam in as many votes as you can because that pushes you up to the top. And then once you're at the top, it's sort of self-sustaining. Right. And how did you reach out to, to Hidden Shaw and convince um, him to do that for you? Is he a friend of yours or something? Yeah, exactly. I've known Hidden for a few years. So uh, we just um, emailed him, said, hey, you know, this is what we'd like to do. And, and thankfully, he agreed. Right. Okay. So that, that comes to show the importance of having relationships and building relationships over your career. I always try to uh, let people know that it's something that they, they, they should be focusing on because it's going to help for one way or, or another. Whatever you're trying to build, grow, it's always good to have you know, friends in your industry. Totally. I mean, this is my fourth startup, and so it's been great just being able to, to draw on resources from people I met over the last 10 years in, in the tech industry uh, for really just such a, a broad array of things from hiring to finding investors to getting introductions to potential partners to anything else. Yeah, I agree 100%. So, okay, now tell me a little bit about your background and what were you doing the years before you, you started Truebill? Sure. So prior to Truebill, I was a VP of business development and sales at a company called Nanigans. Nanigans is the largest ad buying platform for Facebook and social channels. And then prior to that, I actually worked with my brother who, uh, he, he had co-founded webs.com and so we worked together there for several years. Wasn't that acquired by Vistaprint? It was, yes. Oh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you worked in those those two companies, and then just did you quit Nanigans in order to start Truebill, or were you doing something else? It wasn't in order to start Truebill. I'd spent five years at Nanigans and was just ready to go. The company had grown quite a bit when I when I started there. It was four of us, and when I left, it was just under two hundred people. Uh, so I was sort of eager to get back into a really early stage thing. And, you know, I, I talked to a couple other people about joining early, as an early employee and ultimately decided that I wanted to take the plunge and try it on my own. Yeah, props. So you mentioned you had a couple of thousand subscribers from Product Hunt. The, what kind of follow-up were you doing or, or what, I mean, what were they getting so at that point, uh, they were able to use the platform, which 
we were more limited in functionality at the time, but uh, they could sign up and see everything they were paying for on a recurring basis, as well as cancel any subscriptions they didn't want with just a couple clicks. Okay, and any kind of follow-ups you you want? I mean, what was a successful, what was a success metric that you had? Well, at the time, we just wanted to get to get users so we could get data in the platform. But what we did was we took our product hunt launch and immediately approached TechCrunch with that and said, "Hey, look, we were the number one thing on Product Hunt for the last week. We broke a thousand upvotes. You should you should write about this." And did it work? Did they write it did about work. it? Yeah. So so we went out in TechCrunch and then uh, sort of snowballed press from there. Did you reach out to a specific? Uh, writer or an editor or or just you just I reached out to three specific writers before one of them finally uh, was responsive. Okay, so it's important to know who you want to reach, right? Um, like, don't just ju don't just email support at tech techcrunch.com or support at website you want to be featured on dot com. <laughs> well, yes. the the key is really, I mean, if possible, you you want to avoid a cold email, right? Because they get hundreds of those per day. So uh, I spent a lot of time looking at, uh, firstly, who covers this sector within TechCrunch uh, or who might be interested in this, and then just really kind of tapping into my network to say, how can I get an intro or how can I get something in front of this person or these people? And I did that with, with a number of different uh, online newspapers. Okay. And how do, you, how do you determine a user from an active user? So to us, an active user is someone who has connected their bank or credit card statement. Okay, pretty simple. Um, mm -hmm. It's a, a big win for someone who's, you know, who subscribes. They're, they don't have to do a lot. I just, while using the platform, I noticed that I, I use, it was the, the very first, first thing that you asked me to do was to connect something, like my PayPal, my credit card, and I did. I connected my, my American Express and my PayPal account, and immediately, boom, there it was. I saw three subscription services that I knew I was using. Thankfully, nothing, nothing I didn't know about. Um, I was a little bit nervous, to be honest. When I, <laughs> when the results were coming out, I was like, "Oh God, how much is going to be?" <laughs> okay. Well, and there's there's more to it than than what you're using and not using. Um, we alert you a lot of times. Uh, these people put you on a, a special rate for six months and then increase it without announcing it. Mm -hmm. So we sort of alert you if you get double charged or if uh, your bill goes up. Uh, or if, if a number of other events happen as well. Um, so are you monetizing yet? We are. We started monetizing two months ago. And what's, what's your model? So we, we keep Truebill completely free for users, and we monetize via intelligent recommendations. So what those look like is if we see you have um, Netflix and Hulu or Netflix and Pandora, we might recommend that you, like, you try Spotify. Um, and usually the subscription company will offer a special uh, trial rate. So we'll say, hey, we see you like Netflix, why don't you try Spotify for three months for 99 cents? I think that's a wonderful model. It's, it's sort of uh, because it's free for your, your users, and it's a win for, your, for the companies that you're recommending, and I'm sure you just recommend companies that you trust and value. Exactly. We try to stay really disciplined about um, only pushing products that, that we stand behind. And do these companies usually have like open affiliate uh, programs or do you have to sort of get a special deal with them? You know, only of all the of the deals we have, only one is an open affiliate deal and the rest are direct partnerships. Okay. Uh, would you mind sharing which, which one that is? is? Is it okay? It's with a company called Plated and they, um, they're a Blue Apron competitor. They deliver uh, meals to your door 
two days a week. They're uncooked, so it's all the ingredients, and you get to cook it yourself. The play date? Plated. Okay, plated, yeah. Plated. I just wanted to have that on the show notes for people. Plated. Okay, um, so you're making, and how many, how many deals have you, I mean, how many companies are you promoting? Right now, I believe it's five or six. Five or six. Six, that's, that's good. Is there like, um, is there a trend among the type of companies that, that you can... You know, so there's different categories. There's new subscriptions, which would be like a Netflix or a Plated. Uh, there is financial products. So we'll see that uh, maybe you're paying a lot for a student loan and we will recommend, hey, you know, why don't you get a quick quote to see if you can lower your interest rate on this? And then there's other semi-financial products, for instance, looking at, uh, we might recommend to a user, hey, you're paying in the top 20% for car insurance for your zip code. Uh, get a quote to see if you can lower that. Wow, that's perfect. So who is your ideal customer? I think we cast a pretty broad net. Um, really, the product works for anyone with a credit card and subscriptions, <laughs> which is just about anyone I know that's you know in their early 20s onward. Uh, okay. Okay, so you right because anyone has a has a, a credit card or a bank bank account or you know, or pretty much everyone's using a subscription service, but not ed- everyone's going to be comfortable with using a platform like yours. So that's good that you ident- identified that someone in their early twenties or in the mid twenties. Um, well, I think that's where it starts. But then yeah, obviously, as you starts, get older yeah. and you get a little bit more income, you uh, at least at least <laughs> a lot of people I know. You kind of become a little bit more detached, right? And you're less likely to notice ten or fifteen dollars missing. Um, so yeah, I think I think anyone from twenty all the way up. I mean, we had the AARP, which is the American Association of Retired People, uh, write about us to their users or their members, I should say, because um, obviously for the elderly, uh, they fall into a lot of subscriptions that they're not aware of or lose track of things in other ways. Right. Okay, so talk to, talk to a little bit little about how you launched, how you came up with the idea, who your ideal customer is. And I want to get into a little bit of what you're doing for growth and what are your projected goals uh, for the future. Well, what's one, um, like, um, what, how are you utilizing content marketing in your growth strategy? Sure. So for content, we have kind of two key approaches. One is... Uh, just uh, writing content. So we look through our data and pull out uh, insights and then write either guest posts on other blogs or, or post on our own blog or we try to just syndicate it out to, to journalists. And that might be things like looking at the, the growth trends for different subscription services uh, and that's more of a business story. Mm-hmm. We might see that um, you know, uh, Spotify and Tidal are kind of competing with each other so we could do editorial and compare the two and make a recommendation about which we like more. Uh, or we, we might just go with um, financial tips. So that's on the, the written content side. On the other side, obviously we're sitting on this huge amount of data, and so what we try to do is externalize that uh, to really anyone who's curious. So for instance, we know how fast the service is growing or how, uh, how users are rating it. So we've launched reviews pages where users who, um, in, our, in our dashboard, you can, you can rate a service one to five stars. You can also write a review for it. And I realize there's nowhere out there that has verified reviews of subscriptions, meaning reviews from people who are confirmed to have actually used the service. So we created uh, reviews pages with user-generated content on them. Okay. Also, uh, we... Um, 
So users ask us to, to cancel subscriptions for them. So we have this enormous database of services we've canceled and how uh, to do it. So we put up a, just a huge index of cancellation instructions for every subscription service. And so if you Google cancel NatureBox or cancel uh, really any, any subscription service, we're usually among the top results. Well, that's a wonderful strategy. Right there. So you're you're using a sort of frequently asked questions strategy, like type of content for the type of services that your users want to cancel, and it, and and you're showing up on the search search results for those terms. So you're picking it's sort of a piggyback on. Exactly. Basically, what we realized is we have this huge database of subscriptions, and so we thought, you know, what words go before that? that people are searching. And so if we're, I'll just use Netflix as an example. If we're looking to search for Netflix, a lot of people search cancel Netflix. A lot of people search Netflix reviews. So those are the first two uh, pieces of content that we put out, not in an editorial way, but really in an automatically generated way, which lets us scale it. Are those the kind of terms that you're showing up? Like, are those the kind of terms that are driving the most traffic or organic search traffic for you right now? So organic search traffic is reviews we just launched, so we're, it's not really driving much traffic at all, just a few clicks a day, if that. Okay. Um, cancellations is driving quite a bit of traffic. Um, that's driving more traffic than actually people searching for fine subscriptions or even Truebill. Uh, but it does convert at a lower percentage rate, which is to be expected. Right, because it's sort of uh, indirect. Exactly. Right. Um, and... Okay, when when you were you were talking about guest posting, right? Mm -hmm. And you were talking about how you you either reach out to journalists or try to publish on other people's blog. How do you decide what kind of content you want to publish? So the first thing is really deciding what content to write, and I try to be pretty free with that. And a lot of people pursue really uh, strict content uh, strategies in terms of what they write. I've never been able to do that, so either myself or someone else just writes what's inspiring to them. Mm -hmm. Then from there, we keep a number of lists on different, uh, different blogs, meaning are they lifestyle blogs, are they more like ha life hackerish blogs, or are they purely personal finance blogs? Uh, so we'll, we'll look at those lists and see which, uh, which publications this might appeal to or this would fit with, and then uh, we start messaging them. The key there is... Uh, your success in actually getting, making contact with them and, and getting things published goes up dramatically if you're able to establish a relationship beforehand. So the first thing I did after making the list was I followed everyone on Twitter, and I spent some time every day just retweeting what they're, or responding to their tweets, uh, reading articles that they write, commenting on them, uh, maybe even mailing them directly and saying, hey, I read this article, really enjoyed this point, wondering if you also saw this other thing. And so if I can do that a few times before then asking them to publish something of mine, it, uh, I think it increases the likelihood quite a bit that they'll actually be, be open to it. Right, so try to engage in a, on a conversation over email before you, you push your pitch, right? Exactly. Give value before you ask for right. value. Right, that's definitely, I always say the same thing. Um, for, I mean, I'm building a platform for online courses on the arts and crafts space, and uh, I, I make connections with a lot of instructors on different on different creative niches and they are you know there it's a particular audience a particular industry so you have to really give it a while and 
take your time on making building those connections, those relationships, uh, tweeting their their content first a couple of days before you email them or get on a com- just send them an email saying how wonderful a content is. Period. Just you say, hey, I read this article. I love this about the about about it. Thank you. That's it. Exactly. And couple, be specific. Be specific. Like, show them you really read the article. Show them you really understood what they were trying to portray or give them an insightful uh, opinion. Don't just say that you love the title of the article because it's nothing, you know. In the end, they exactly. want to say that they're, they, they want to see that you read the article and that you under, understood their, what they were trying to translate, to transmit to you in their message. And just a couple of days later, after you say thank you and show them that, you just, maybe you can ask, say, hey, uh, have this article coming up. Uh, would you like giving me an opinion? Or what I do is I have a very specific process for that. So I say, hey, um, I, fe- I featured you on a, um, on a, I featured you on a, on a list. Here's the list. Or what have you. Just take your time. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. So guest posting versus self-published content. What would you say drives the most traffic or or uh, results? Well, the thing is, if you guest post, you can also self-publish it. Right. Obviously. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 That's that's right. Um, so I'm, so I'm, yeah, I'm, we kind of have a waterfall where um, once an article is written, we spend one week trying to get press to pick it up. Okay. Um, if we can't get any press interest, then we'll go to bloggers, and we spend one week trying to get bloggers to pick it up. And then if both of those are unsuccessful, we'll just post ourselves. But in either case, if it is picked up somewhere, we'll also self-publish. So you prioritize press press, on press over over bloggers first, and then, okay, that's a good yeah. strategy for sure. Let me write that down. <laughs> right. Um, Jaya, any, anything else you want to share with us before you... Um, no, anything else I can tell you or things you want to chat about? Well, um, I wanted to, I want to know if there is a specific obstacle that you would do differently that you would to overcome. You know, I would have started on content much sooner. Um, even in the, in the early days. So I had two brothers sitting there writing code. Uh, and I, I remember kind of sitting there thinking, well, there's not much I can do until the product is launched. And that was completely wrong. I should have been blogging and building an audience from pre-launch. Uh, and that was, a, that was a big mistake on my part. Yeah, I totally relate to that. With a, with a platform that I was just telling you about, um, I was afraid of, uh, you know, of publishing content before I started having my, the courses ready. But I did uh, like six months before I even launched the first course on the platform. We started blogging and, and I had two bloggers. Just creating content, creating content, building, you know, building that community. Uh, I created a Facebook group in order to, you know, build some rapport with with the audience. But I was afraid, definitely. I I didn't know if it would make any sense to do it, but I just went for it. Um, uh, so where do you find uh, where do you find writers? Uh, where do I find writers? Well, I I do two different things. One is I try to contact people who already have audiences. Mm-hmm. And try to get them to be, you know, to write for me. Instead of guest posting, I bring them and I pay them for a specific article. Obviously, <laughs> I pay someone who already has an audience has you know, might might get paid a little bit more than a ghostwriter, for example. And then I have uh, um, then I have two writers in Latin America who work full full time for me. 
mm-hmm. who are pretty fluent in English, and there is another two on on Spanish because I publish both on English and Spanish. Um, I, in order to qualify them, I get them through a you know a pretty simple uh, process uh, exam, you know, and I give them a very 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 specific guide on how I want the content written for you know SEO purposes and for and for engaging the audience uh, on a copywriting sort of way you know so how to write the paragraphs how to how to optimize the content for SEO and and how many how many the type of people that I want them to mention on the article so that I, that I can leverage that for outreach and creating connections so once the article goes live I reach out to everyone who was mentioned on the article and say hey you were mentioned on, the, on this article would you like to comment on it and would you like to add a quote for the article or whatnot um any everything that goes into the article the the images everything has a specific purpose that that it can be either for outreach or to engage uh an action from the customers so one paragraph the way i see i go about it is that every paragraph must be a call to action on itself most of the time, every paragraph, you want the reader to go to the next paragraph, right? So you have to write it on a, with a little bit of cliffhangers. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very meticulous with that. Um, That's great advice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I have pe- pretty much people in Latin America who work full-time for me and... Uh, and people with audiences who I want them to write for me so that they can share with their audience and, you know, leverage that. Um, and what about you? How, how do you go about, like, do you, do you have people that write for you full-time? I don't have anyone writing for me full-time. So, so I try to write one article. I say once a week, it's more like once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I have two part-time people who, who write. Right. Uh, and I give them pretty, a pretty wide range of flexibility in terms of what they write about. But um, we've definitely put together some best practices about uh, you know, putting, putting the right links to, to other blogs or, or other pieces of content within what we write uh, and formatting in, in a way that's going to increase likelihood of, of publication. Yeah, that's that's a good idea for sure. Uh, do you struggle with with keeping up with your publish publications, like you're being consistent? You know, so we've uh, we've really kind of been pinning. This has been my the the biggest piece of my focus for the last month, and so we're still trying to find that right cadence. Um, and yeah, it is it is tough. It's it's very uh, not just time consuming, but it, it takes a lot of my attention. Uh, and, you know, posting, uh, writing the content is, is probably a third of the effort. The other two-thirds is uh, getting in touch with the bloggers and the press, following up, uh, getting it posted, and then trying to um, make sure it's, it's tuned for SEO and everything else. Right. Well, Jaya, um, thank you so much for everything you shared with us. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for being so um, transparent and insightful with what you've been doing. Any place you want to send people to to stay connected with you? Yeah, so there's the Truebill blog, and that's just blog.truebill.com. And then uh, if you want to try the product, we just launched our mobile app, so it's in the, the iOS app store is Truebill. Otherwise, it's at truebill.com. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. You too.
Okay, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jaja. I hope you took a lot of notes for everything mentioned on this show, links, and everything else. Head on over to rebelgrowth.com forward slash episode 74. And now if you could, please head on over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating for the episode for the show because it really helps the podcast grow. Now, until next week, guys, thank you so much for being here. Go out, implement, and keep on growing.